assured her that I would never violate the rules again. Nope, never again would I walk past the front desk on my way upstairs. So I made sure that I found every side and back door possible to get up there from that day forward. And I've been here every day since then. And that was two weeks ago. It's times like these that force you to be a little more analytical about life. Not the kind of analysis that requires a visit to a local therapist and a nice black couch, but a more personal type of introspection where you delve into the meaning of your own existence. I believe that it's times like these when your faith is stretched and tested. When you think about life, you can't help realizing how much humor and irony there is all around you. It's right there, right in front of your face. And sometimes it takes a personal epiphany to get that sort of reality check. Well, mine is happening as I sit here, but it's not so subtle. It's screaming out reminders about personal decisions I made in the past. All of a sudden, the act of visiting one of my parents in the hospital has rules and regulations attached to it, not to mention a time limit. Somehow, this all makes me think about the many holiday and Sunday dinners that I neglected to be a part of because I was busy or just too tired or lazy to go to. I made up every excuse in the book not to attend those family functions, and sometimes I went to a holiday party at a friend's house instead. Now it seems very ironic that those missed opportunities are truly being missed, more than ever. As we go through life, we might make choices that we believe are important for us at the time, but when we least expect it, or when we're selfishly neglecting the situations in front of us, what I call a pocket of emotion, is filled in with a feeling reminiscent of the experience that has passed. What we didn't realize at that time was that we would be dealing with that pocket of emotion at a later date, and usually at a time when we would be the most vulnerable. That's how I feel right now. I didn't realize back then when I was avoiding those family functions that I was missing anything, and I took those opportunities to be with my loved ones for granted. And now I have regrets. I'm feeling pretty morose as I go over all this in my mind, yet I clearly recognize that the past is a past. So here I am in the present, counting floor tiles and realizing that my heart's pocket of feeling is being emptied. Too bad it isn't more like placing my hand in an old jacket pocket and finding a $20 bill. Instead, there's just emotion. One of the nicer women at the front desk is approaching me, and I'm afraid that she's going to throw me out or at least make an attempt. My parents taught me to be respectful of people who are older than I am, but nobody is going to tell me when and for how long I can see the person who loved and raised me. Instead, she just smiles at me in a very compassionate and understanding manner. It seems like she knows something I don't. But maybe I'm just grasping at straws. I'm so exhausted, I just can't think straight. Once you make it past the army of perfume-packing seniors at the front desk... Then the nurses on the units are next. Some of them are so busy they don't care if you sleep in the same room as the patients. Many of them even feel secure, knowing that you're right there with your loved ones. Then if something happens, you can notify the nurse's station immediately. Of course, there are a few nurses who take great offense as to why you're constantly questioning the care your family member is receiving or every pill and injection that's being administered. But for the most part... The nurses are all supportive of relatives being here. We all know that in many cases, like this one, it's just a matter of time. For the past two weeks, I've been having a hard time trying to figure out what to do all day at a place like this. 
Do I buy flowers or stuffed animals at the gift shop that say, get well soon? Maybe take a chance and buy some raffle tickets at the lady's auxiliary desk? Or do I just deal with the harsh reality of what I instinctively know to be true, but can't seem to allow myself to deal with? You know the harsh reality I'm talking about. The one that tells you that the person you're visiting may not be there the next time you walk into their room. On my left, on a stretcher, sitting in the hall, there's an old woman who looks to be at least 80 years old. She's lying there, coiled up in a fetal position, screaming for someone, anyone, to help her. Her pleas seem to be going unanswered, though, and it's heartbreaking to listen to. I walk over to give her some comfort while I wait to go back into room 314, yet it's clear that she's suffering from some form of dementia or Alzheimer's disease. I wonder if she has any family. Do they come to see her, or has she been abandoned here, doomed to spend her last days in and out of the local nursing home and hospital? I couldn't imagine ever abandoning my mother like that. That's when I remember once again why I come here day after day, hour after hour. I hate the fact that circumstances have forced me to be here on and off over the last two weeks. In the circle of life, you know that this day will arrive. You talk about it as if it's far in the future, and you plan for it with health insurance and life insurance and wills, yet you never really discuss death in detail with the people around you. If you were to do that, somebody would tell you to shut up, that you're being morbid. Code 999-K3. Code 999-K3. I'm jolted out of my reverie by the screeching voice on the hospital's PA system. It sounds as if a herd of elephants is coming toward me. The air seems to rumble with noise and energy, and I can feel the atmosphere literally changing around me. I look to my left and right, up and down the corridor, to see what all the fuss is about. It is at this moment that the large wooden doors with the big glass panels down the hall to my left burst open. The blur of white lab coats goes rushing by me into room 314. My heart starts to pound, and I can feel my adrenaline start to rush. I'd seen a code 999 once before. I know that it's like a race for time, a race for life, like a gun going off, and they're all competing to save someone. As I'm breaking out into a cold sweat, the brutal reality of what's happening smacks me right in the face, and my eyes start welling up, yet I'm frozen to my spot. I can't seem to get my body to move closer to the door. Four, five, at least seven people are cramming into room 314. Nurses, respiratory therapists, and various technicians are all crowding in there, and I can see a crash cart being wheeled in. Jamie, my favorite nurse, who usually makes me laugh by winking at me and constantly droning, I gotta get out of this place, is scurrying into the room, too, with a very concerned expression on her face. The way she glances at me as she runs in worries me more than anything. My heart is pounding even harder, and I'm starting to feel lightheaded. No, it's not Mr. Brown who's having the medical emergency. As hot tears flow uncontrollably from my eyes, I think, Oh, my God, this is what it feels like to lose a parent. And today, of all days, when we should be celebrating a birthday... Part 1. Chapter 1. The Gift of Life. Today is the milestone of my daughter's seventh birthday. 
It is with gratitude that I look around at the neighborhood and the family that I have loved my entire life. Yet despite all of my blessings, something troubling is churning within me. I'm standing at the window, watching the latest group of family members arrive for today's party. I couldn't have asked for a more perfect summer day. The sky is a beautiful blue, with not a cloud to be seen for miles. This ideal weather has made planning the party today a lot easier. I don't have to worry about rain or where we would entertain the 50 or 60 people who are going to be milling in and out of our house today. As I look up and down our block, I see the beautiful elm trees lining the street, shedding some much-needed shade on the parked cars filling our block. Thank God that our neighbors understand that we have a large Italian-American family, and celebrating birthdays are just another excuse to invite as many people over as possible. Our neighbors are used to not being able to park in front of their own homes on days like these. Even though today's festivities are to celebrate the joint birthday of my seven-year-old twin girls, the entire family has been invited. Not only will they all show up, but they'll bring their extended family, in-laws, and even friends. All guests in our home are considered family. Bring them all over, is what Grandma Rosie always said. Invite all your friends and their family was her motto. It's the way that she brought us all up. The fun part for the girls today is that the guests are bearing gifts. The fun part for the grown-ups is that they're also bearing wine, food, and desserts. We've already filled up two large tables with different salads, pastas, breads, and delectable sweets. Aunt Gina, my mom's older sister, is the latest arrival, and she's walking up the driveway waving her hands to the group of adults sitting on the lawn furniture on the patio. Aunt Gina is carrying birthday gifts for the girls, and her daughter Phyllis is right behind her with her daughter Katrina. My cousin Phyllis and I are only a few years apart in age, but she married earlier than I did. Katrina is her only child and is beginning her first year of high school in a week. Looking at her makes me feel like time is moving too fast. It seems like only yesterday that Phyllis and I were her...